Welcome to another episode of Mental Health Matters. This is Tom Duff, Executive Director, St. Louis Counseling. Once again, we are having another great conversation today. We are excited to get this going, as usual, with trying to break down stigma through everyday conversations uh, with people from our community, uh, and all made possible by St. Louis Counseling. Check us out, saint, spelled out, lewiscounseling.org. And uh, I'll do my shameless plug now and at the end of the podcast, too, for those of you listening out here. We have Give STL Day, for those of you listening in the St. Louis region. Uh, We have Give STL Day coming up May 1st. We are doing a $300 match with uh, individual people and businesses that are willing to provide sessions for kids. So uh, we know that the need outweighs the funding so many different times. Um, in our nonprofit world. So our campaign this year is to provide uh, four sessions for a kid um, during the course of a month. And so uh, you can find that on our website. Once again, our website is stlouiscounseling.org. So once again, as I said, we have uh, another great guest. And today we are joined by Kate Bethel. Kate, how are you? Good. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. So Kate um, owns Maven in Maplewood. Um, I've been in there actually a couple times buying gifts for people. But when I'm in there, I want to buy stuff for myself as well. But I never do. I never spend money on myself. But um, maybe uh, tell us a little bit about Maven. Um, What do you guys do? Um, Well, we make uh, soaps, candles, bath and body products um, all in-house and then sell them. Um, We've been in business since 2007, so uh, going on 12 years. Uh, we've been in the downtown Maplewood area, and uh, we're, we're actually getting ready to move um, to the next block west of where we are now uh, and reopening in May in a bigger location. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Congratulations yeah, on that. Okay, one block west. Is that, that's not towards Shafley's, right? Is that it's the, the opposite direction. Opposite yeah, direction. Um, it's by uh, the Crow's Nest and Penzi Spices. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Penzi Spices. I've been in there too. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Good, good, good. Uh, so, and you guys do classes there as well too, yeah. right? Uh, currently, we're doing uh, soap making classes, lotion making classes, but we're hoping uh, when we get into the new location um, to add on to classes and do um, a couple more things that we haven't had uh, the space to do in our current location. How did uh, so? How did this come about? Like so, twelve years, right? So yeah. what what started it? Um, really, I wish I had a, a more interesting story to tell, but it was <laughs> it was just a hobby that um, I started doing out of my house. Uh, I was making soap in the basement um, just out of sheer interest. And um, after doing it for a little while, um, I, I was laid off from my job. And I thought, well, you know, I've always kind of toyed around with the idea of opening a shop. So if I'm going to do it now, now would probably be the time to do it. I, there's mm-hmm. low little risk involved. Um, I didn't have... Um, a kid yet and um, mm-hmm. I was still relatively young and I, th- relatively I, think young, I, was, yeah. <laughs> I think I was being kind of pessimistic about it but I was like if I fall on my face it's not going to be the end of the world so um, at that point I decided to uh, open a store that was at the time it was predominantly um, like home decor and gifts I wasn't really confident that I could float the rent with just making soap but it turns out that um, I had this little display in the corner that was just my soaps and those were selling better than anything else in the shop so over time you know I expanded to candles and then bath bombs and then lotions and by, by the time um, I got to where I'm at now we're, we're predominantly bath and body mm-hmm. there's um, it's 
I would say 98% of what we sell in there is stuff that we're making in house. So I really kind of changed my, my business model, but mm -hmm. that was just, I just wasn't confident enough that I could float it on just soap. And it turns out, you know, that was yeah. the best thing for the place. And you, uh, you sell the guys as well too, right? There's a product line in there as yeah, well. Yeah, we, um, we added a men's line, <clears throat> I guess maybe about four or five years ago because we had no men coming in there mm -hmm. other than men buying gifts for their wives and they were terrified yeah. Yeah. when they were in there. <laughs> what do um, I pick? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so we started like a, um, a beard care line and um, you know beard grooming, mustache grooming. And now I would say uh, a few years later, probably about 40 to 50% of our clientele um, is men. Wow, so. that's awesome. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, beards are a pretty big thing now, mm -hmm. and we were. Uh, I was just talking to a colleague too about that, and we're like, "Yeah, you, you actually got to take care of that stuff." Oh, you yeah. know, when they're growing out, you know, down to their chest, it's crazy. Yeah, there, there's there's some money to be made in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so with, uh, you know, you're describing yourself. Uh, uh, what I've heard from other um, entrepreneurs as well too. You know, it's like sometimes you're starting out. You know, you can be pessimistic. What am I going to do? What will happen? Is it the right time? Uh, talk a little bit about some of the stressors it is to not only okay running a business is stress by itself, right? But mm -hmm. starting a business that's that's a whole different level. Yeah. Um, fortunately, when I started. Um, in the grand scheme of things, startup costs were relatively low as opposed to like opening a restaurant or something like that. Um, so I was able to uh, you know, finance it myself, fortunately. Um, but that first year is so tough because you just don't know what to expect. You don't know what a busy, you know, what your busy days are gonna be, what your busy months are gonna be. Um, just getting your name out there, I felt like it took three years for people to even know I was there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my first several years, I couldn't afford uh, an employee, so I did it myself, and I had to have friends come volunteer, family. Um, I'm trying to think, gosh, it was so long ago. Um, Maplewood, it, trying to find a location to open up uh -huh. in. You know, at the time, people were like, well, you know, maybe you should consider Webster, or Kirkwood, or The Loop. Well, I couldn't afford any of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and Maplewood was still kind of iffy, but kind of getting there as far as popularity goes. And I was from Maplewood. I lived in, I lived in Dogtown, but I grew up in Maplewood. Um, the rent was affordable, but it was still about 50% unoccupied oh, wow. uh, as far as businesses go. So I, I took a shot on Maplewood, and now uh, I, it, it's amazing what's happened to the place. If I was sliding into Maplewood now, like starting business now, I don't know if I could do it. Wow. Like, number one, I don't know if I could get a space, and number two, I don't know if I could afford For the one. rent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I was able to you know, grow along with it. Mm -hmm. Did you have... Uh, with other entrepreneurs, you know, now we have Cortex, you know, and we have other entities that are, you know, helping entrepreneurs. When you started, did, was there any type of supports um, within the community or the region that would be, you could turn to um, back then or were you kind of slowly? I just kind of did it on yeah. my own. I'm, maybe there were and I, I didn't look into it or I don't know. Um, Again, it was a while ago, but I, I just kind of did it on my own. I, and I'm not saying that that's how you should do it, but <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But it was yeah. something that um, that I, I could handle. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was if I was doing, you know, anything bigger than what I was what I was trying to accomplish, maybe I would have looked into some other mm -hmm. resources. But um, I was able to keep on top of it, and I, I did have really good support um, with friends and family and stuff. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, it it worked out. That's awesome. Yeah. With your uh, with your line of products. You know, do you find, you know, when, you, when I've been in there just a few times and 
I'm like, well, that smells really good. You know, that smells almost soothing. You know, do you find people using soaps and lotions and things of that nature to just kind of help with relaxation and moods? Do you have customers coming in just looking for that as well too, or is it a mix? I would say, yeah, it's it's a mix. Um, well, the the lo- buying local and the buying handmade. Um, I don't even want to call it a trend anymore because it's really been going on for a few years now, but it's big, particularly mm-hmm. in that community, um, in the Maplewood area too. So that's helped a great deal. Um, getting away from a lot of synthetics and chemicals have, have you know, the desire to do that has helped um, people like me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have people who buy products just because they're into aromatherapy or, or you know mindfulness or, or ways to to de-stress but then we also have people who actual have actual like skin conditions like eczema psoriasis whatever and they find that natural products uh, work well for those conditions mm-hmm. um, and it's still at the end of the day it's still a lot of gift givers too mm-hmm. you know people that want to give like a local handmade you know candle or soap to somebody for a birthday or, mm-hmm. or whatever so all of that combined you know, Kinda is what keeps me afloat. Keeps you. Yeah. And that's all a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And kudos to you for like, you know, realizing too the male population. Like, okay, wait, I could tap into that as yeah. well. And well, men are getting more into it too. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's less uh, kind of less stigma around guys taking care of themselves as exactly. well too. Yeah. That's a whole different stigma than we usually talk about with mental health. But, um, but no, it is much more uh, open. Yeah. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to be seen going in there, you no. know. No, um, I mean, it's. It's become the norm now where, yeah, like a few years ago, it's like, there's a guy in here. It just never happened, you know? You got a little security light that goes off. Mail, mail. You must be buying a gift. Yeah, like, why Um, are you here? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can remember doing that in Bath and Body Works when it very first opened up, like back in the day. You'd walk around. I'm like, okay, I feel a little awkward. What do I do? You know, Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm using this stuff. You know, I just use Coast. You know, that's the only soap I use. And I still catch myself when when men walk in by themselves going, do you need help? Can I help you? Yeah. no, I got it. I know what I want. I want my lotion. You yeah. know, it's like, they, oh, okay, you, you got this. All this right. is my beard. I yeah. know what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Are you lost? That's yeah. kind of like I'm lost. Yeah. Do you, uh, so as a, as a woman that started a business, do you think you've run into different stressors over the years than maybe your male counterparts? Or do you feel, you know, you've kind of been just able to function as a just entrepreneur, business owner without having to deal with some of the other stuff that comes up that could create stress? Um, I guess for the most part, um, I don't know if I've run into anything, you know, male versus female. I've certainly run into my share of stressors, anything from, you know, my competitor opening up two doors down from me to, uh, you know, people I thought, you know, uh, were friends or, you know, business neighbors, uh, you know, stealing recipes and information. Uh. Yeah. So, I mean, I've certainly dealt with the things that you deal with as a business owner who in particular makes their own products. Mm -hmm. But, um, I wouldn't say that I've run into anything, um, that I feel like would have separated me out, uh, in a, in a gender, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. situation. No, I guess I've been lucky in that sense. Yeah. No, that's great. Mm -hmm. And then with the stressors, I mean, so what, what would you, what tips would you give to somebody and you know because just a few things you just said right there a competitor opening up a couple down from you mm-hmm. people taking recipes yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know like in this so and you're also just trying to pay your employees you're trying to uh, pay the rent so I mean how do you what tips would you give to take care of yourself so another person that's out there you know um, mm-hmm. what kind of tips would you give to other business owners um, 
don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't try to do it all yourself. Uh, the, the hardest thing I had to learn was how to delegate. You know, once I, once I got to the point where I could hire employees, it was really hard for me to um, ask them to do anything. Uh-huh. It was the weirdest thing. Like, I would, I was embarrassed um, and almost afraid to ask like my first employee to like go clean the bathroom. Uh-huh. Like it made me feel terrible, so uh-huh. I would just go do it, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but over time, I've learned, um, you know, get help, and I mean, you're paying for it, so you know, uh, get competent people that you know don't hire your friends and family. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh, get competent people that you know um, you can let them run with the task and know it's going to be well done. Um, Get people who are enthusiastic about the work. Don't look for, you know, don't hire people who are just like, look, I need a job. Uh-huh. I, and, and I just know this because I've run into all of it. Um, as far as other things, um, you know, definitely try to instill some organization. Make lists for yourself. Use your calendar and your phone. Um, do set time aside during the week that, you know, I'm going to leave and go to lunch versus try to eat at my desk because that never works. You know, the minute you mm-hmm. go to take a bite of something, seven people walk in the door and they all want to talk to you. Um, just little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, take time for your family and, you know, your kids, your spouse, your parents, um, because it is, it's, it's really hard to let, um, how do I want to say it? it? It can start running you more so than you're running it. Uh-huh. And, and I've run into periods of, in my life where that's happened to me too. Mm-hmm. So. No, that's awesome advice. So a lot about schedule, even <clears throat> I find too, it's like having people schedule time for themselves. Like mm-hmm. I give, and that's, I, I have a hard time doing it, but myself, because I'm running around the place, but I really believe you have to schedule your own time, you know, yeah. whether to be meditate or to just, you know, read a book or, you know, whatever it works for you individually. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I forced myself, um, to sign up for art classes, take a watercolor class, take a calligraphy class, anything that physically got me out of there doing something else. Because even at home, I would bring home like my laptop and my iPad and all this stuff and, um, feel like I needed to be doing something. I need to be doing something for Mm -hmm. the shop. And, uh, I had a really hard time just separating myself from it to the point where I think a lot of um, depression and anxiety and anger set in because I wasn't doing anything I used to enjoy. Uh Uh-huh. You know? Well, and I I, I think you raise a really good point, too, about even scheduling your time. So actually scheduling like a class where you kind of feel committed to doing that and it almost forces it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to tell myself, like, no, when you get home, um, eat dinner, throw some laundry in, and then take an hour to draw or paint or whatever. And it would never happen. Mm-hmm. Or the minute I sat down to do it, I would just like turn on the TV and, and pass yeah, out. Sorry. So I needed that structure of, no, I paid for this class. I have to go to this place and do it at this time. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. If you left it up to me, it just wouldn't happen. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can relate. I take my laptop home a lot. And then once I'm there, though home takes over at that Mm -hmm. point you know and it's the hustle and bustle or the things you have to do around the house and then yeah that feeling of guilt too of like oh man I need to be doing this for work but I'm like well I'm also a human being Mm -hmm. and I probably need to take care of other aspects of my world too yeah and so you know you had shared with me as well you know family life sometimes can be stressful too with you know you're uh, you have a child that's dealing with some uh, of his own issues right Mm -hmm. and so so not only being that caretaker of someone who's 
working through their own issues, but running that business. So even, you know, when you talk about anxiety and stress, and so sometimes it's hard to have that safe haven every, that rhymes with Maven, but, um, that safe haven, you know, at work or sometimes it's at home and sometimes we don't have that. So is there ways you've kind of been able to manage some of that of multiple home and work stressors? Um, again, it's, I've been lucky because uh, my parents live close by, mm -hmm. uh, so they can help with my son. Supports. Um, his yep. father's parents are, are close by too. It's nice, like all four of our our parents live in the same uh, the same area. Oh, that's the, beautiful. The Maple Twin Heights area. Yeah. So, um, and they're very hands-on grandparents. So, um, we're really lucky. I don't know what kind of story I would be telling if I lived in a different city without them there, but um, they're a huge help with him. And again, it just. Um, just not being afraid to ask for help. I think nowadays it's it's so hard for people, especially especially females, to admit like, hey, I don't I don't have all this. I'm mm -hmm. not super mom. I you know I I get annoyed when I get on Facebook and see my friends who are like, woke up at seven a.m., started the crock pot, went to spin class, went to work. And said, <laughs> okay, I almost cursed, but you know yeah. it's like I can't do that. So. Uh -huh. um, you know, it, I don't think people should be ashamed to uh, to ask for help and and ask to to lend a hand so that you don't you know you're juggling so many balls in the air that if you're going to drop them all if you don't pass one off to someone. Yep, yep. You know? So yeah, so a lot of times just having that awareness and then that confidence in yourself as well too to say I'm still a good mom or I'm still a good person mm -hmm. even though I'm getting help you know right. because we can't do it. It in that in that whole phrase it takes a village, right? I firmly believe that, yeah. you know, firmly believe that. Mm -hmm. What do you, uh, so what do you see for, you know, your move, Maven's moving, right? Couple, right. couple doors and blocks down. Um, what else do you have hopes for with it? Um, the one word that comes to mind is just expansion there. Again, I've had so many ideas that I haven't been able to put into play because we just didn't have the room. Mm -hmm. We outgrew the building, um, several years ago. And the problem was nothing was just nothing was becoming available in the area and maplewood like people were staying and no there wasn't a lot of turnover as far as businesses go and the ones that were turning over new businesses were sliding in before a sign would even go up in the window so uh -huh. <laughs> um wow i've been frustrated for a number of years but then all of a sudden a um a very just a perfect opportunity came my way for a space that was double the size um it was going to be um a much more significant uh, financial commitment, but it's like, well, yeah, that's a little scary. However, um, all these ideas that I had, I can finally put into play, which would be like a, a make your own candle bar mm -hmm. where, you know, right now we, we make all the candles and sell them, but people can actually come in and pour their own. Wow. Um, we're looking at doing like a, um, a make your own lipstick bar where you blend your own shades and then we mold them for you and tube them. Um, just expanding the products, expanding the class size. Right now, mm -hmm. I put six students down in the basement to teach them how to make soap. Uh -huh. It's like something out of like Fight Club or <laughs> a meth lab or something. But, but now I could actually do that up on the main floor um, and, and have, I can add more students. Um, we also will have an extra room uh, that we can rent out to external people who want to come in and teach classes. Um, I have uh, the water, a watercolor painter coming in who's going to teach classes, um, a taxidermy girl wow. uh, yeah interesting like all sorts of stuff. so I kind of look at it as um as a more more of an educational experience for people now mm -hmm. where it used to be just a shop we are going to focus more on on education teaching people how to a degree how to make some of this stuff um you know 
teaching, having people come in and teaching them how to make different things and, and mm-hmm. do a lot more cross promoting, I guess, than what I used to do in my current mm-hmm. space. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you, uh, so I can tell just by talking to you, you're a very creative person, right? Yeah, my, my background's in art. Um, mm-hmm. I was a graphic designer before I opened this place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll admit that um, I was more into fine art growing up, and I picked graphic design because I got accepted to a very expensive art school that mm-hmm. my parents were paying for. And well, I, why didn't, not? I wanted to pick a practical degree for them. Uh-huh. Not uh-huh. like they asked me to. That's just what I wanted to do. I just felt like, well, I better use the money wisely. I was the first person in my family to ever go to college or anything. Wow. Um, and I really wish going back, I wouldn't have done that. I would have. I wish I would have done painting or, you know, historic preservation. I went to school down in Savannah, in you know, Savannah, oh, Georgia. Wow. So, anything. But I, I was, I was trying to do what I thought was the most practical thing to do. And um, I regretted it. It just wasn't for me. Not to say that it, I haven't been able to use it. I mm-hmm. certainly use it with my business every day. We do our own label design and everything. But, um, but my background was in art. Um, but once I realized that I really wasn't enjoying my job, I got really scared. I was yeah. like, well, what, am I, what else am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this worked out well. It worked out mm-hmm. well for me. It hasn't been easy, but it, it was a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah it's it life does allow though, me, right? Yeah, yeah. It does allow me, you know, a lot of creative leeway, mm-hmm. even though I'm not necessarily, you know, painting or drawing or, um, you know, there is a lot of creativity to it. Mm-hmm. So. It's, it's always interesting to look back and when people figure out some of those skill sets they have, you know, and then, you know, knowing like, okay, like I like art and I, I like thinking about this and visualizing this. And it's like, wow, that's creativity. And, and that's interesting too, how you talk about, you know, in college you chose that major and how many of us do stuff like that, right? We right. choose it based on expectations that maybe we think others may have of that's us. Exactly, or, that's absolutely yeah. why I did it. I just mm-hmm. didn't want to feel like I was wasting anybody's time or money. My parents worked really hard and I realized I was in a situation that not everybody was in where they were going to help me with school and I didn't want to do anything that, you know, I thought was going to be a waste of their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, that's, yeah. that's where my mind was at the time. But, yeah. You know, and then as our minds, you know, yeah. Well, they say it takes, you know, age of 25 before our minds full brains fully develop, you know, yeah. and then I'm you start. For my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I saw yeah. something the other day. It was like age 30, you're considered an adult or, you know, something like that now. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, it I'm never stops. Yeah, I'm going to be 41 and I still feel like I'm 12. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I always feel I'm so much younger than what my age is now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm not I 28. I revert. I think I was more mature in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> That means you'll be forever young, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, one of the questions I always have uh, for a lot of our guests who don't deal with mental health on a daily basis, right? And so when we talk about stigma being so prevalent still in our society uh, around mental health is, you know, from your perspective, who is somebody, you're a business owner, you're not dealing, you know, like I'm in the field, so I'm always dealing with stigma. I mean, what is your perception of how society um, is still looking at mental health? Do you think it's still just looked at as like, okay, don't talk about it? Um, I think it's getting better. Um, When I opened my business, I had no idea that um, I had a mental disorder. Hmm. Um, So I was in business for a few years. In fact, it was after my son was born. I guess he was probably about a year and a half old when I really started 
realizing like something was wrong. Something like I was thinking things I wasn't thinking before and mm -hmm. I was doing things I wasn't doing before. And I chalked it up to just, you know, the stress of being a new mom. Um, you know, maybe like a hormonal imbalance. Who mm -hmm. knows? Yeah. Um, it was certainly, I think I was certainly too far along for it to be like postpartum, but I didn't know what it was. And um, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And um, when I finally decided, you know, I need to probably have some sort of evaluation and find out what's going on, I really thought it was going to be like, oh, well, I'm depressed or mm -hmm. bipolar or whatever. Mm -hmm. I didn't even really know much about it, but I was definitely one of those people that would have been like, oh, I heard they're bipolar. Watch them. Yeah. Or, you know, I yeah. heard this. You know. Well, it turns out I, um, I had a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, mm -hmm. which I'd never even heard of before. Mm-hmm until I was told well, I had yeah, it. Yeah. Um, on top of that, severe depressive disorder and um, ADHD and attentive type. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get there all in one day, but like yeah. they just kept piling on. Oh, man. Um, and at first I was a little relieved because I figured that my family and my friends who just really had thought I'd gone off my rocker mm -hmm. would be like, oh, okay. Well, she's not a horrible person. It's yeah. this. And, and to a degree, they were. I was relieved. They were relieved. But then I kind of noticed a little bit of a shift in the sense that everything kind of, that kind of became a catch-all for everything. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you're angry about this? Well, that's because you're mentally ill. Well, no, maybe I have a right. To I be angry actually about have that. anger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're sad about this? Well, you're too sensitive. But people with borderline are too sensitive. No, uh -huh. maybe I'm not. You know. And then um, when I would go to like Google or research. Um, people with this particular disorder who kind of felt like um, maybe they were being taken advantage of or maybe to a degree emotionally abused or, or whatever. It was always the other way around. Like, no, they're abusers. They're monsters. People with borderline or, you know, mm -hmm. they might as well be Jeffrey Dahmer, you know. Uh -huh. And it, everything that I was feeling before um, as far as, like, you know, confusion and fear about, you know, what was going on with me or what was wrong with me, um, turned into anger. It's mm -hmm. like, it just felt so unfair. It's like, no, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good mom. I'm a mm -hmm. good friend. And, you know, if you, if people who are looking into what I have, um, looked it up online, I would think that they would think I should, you know, be locked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Collector or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know? How could she um, own a business? Yeah. yeah and, and mm. when I, when I joined, um, a dialectic behavioral therapy group, um, which has DBT has been, um, I guess, considered the most successful treatment for borderline because mm -hmm. there's not really a clear treatment for mm -hmm. it. The people that I were uh, that I was meeting in the group were nice people. These were these were good people. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I think especially maybe even more so with females. I don't know. Um, it's really easy. I would I I'm gonna say it's really easy to be a female with a mental disorder for a lot of people to look at you like, oh, you're, you're just a crazy bitch mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, you're just a over emotional, hypersensitive female that like is going to fall to pieces and flip out, um, and you know, stab mm -hmm. somebody because they broke a nail. Yeah. That's probably the worst part of it because in my experience and with the people that I've, I've met with this, with a similar diagnosis, they're very loving, caring, grounded people. Mm -hmm. we, it's just, we all have triggers. Yeah. It's not like everything and anything will set us off. It's very specific things, mm -hmm. you know. 
Wow, so insightful. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. You, t- you spend a lot of time thinking about it. And especially when you have a lot of people who are like, well, don't let your diagnosis define you. It's like, no, I think everybody else is defining me with it. Yes. So you have a lot of time to think about that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Our, uh, and, I, I, and you describe a problem I've heard from so many people as well that are um, coping with a mental illness is that people will look up symptoms on the internet right and then they're just like and then and, and they think of you differently because you have this when in reality you're a human being you're still allowed to have every range of emotions um that a, every other human being has and like you said you have these triggers and sometimes you got to cope with those triggers right yeah. and so the labels and that's you know we're such a judgy society as well too um mm-hmm. and i think sometimes you know, we talk about stigma but then it's like mm, it's about judging, you know, and how we are just in this habit of judging people. And then if they don't do the same thing as us, right. And how that, how we perceive that, but yeah, definitely labeling people is such a problem when it comes to mental health issues. And it got to a point with, with me, especially having such a public facing job, Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of people knew something was going on with me. Uh, so as far as social media goes, as far as like Facebook goes, I had a decision. Like I could just pretend like a lot of stuff I did and said never happened, or I could just address it head on. Like, you know, I, so one day I just put a post, like I was diagnosed with this and that's why I've been having these problems, but I'm getting down to the bottom of it. And I was met 50, 50 by, you know, what are you doing? That's nobody's business. You shouldn't tell people that they're going to, you know, people could exploit you for that. And other people who, you know, private messaged me or inboxed me saying, um, that was so brave of you to stand up. My mother actually has that, or I have a sister that has that, or I have that. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people that, um, were very grateful and very appreciative and very supportive. But then I had a lot of people that were like, you might as well just like walk down the street naked. You just like totally exposed the worst part of yourself to anybody who could exploit that. Now I really haven't run into that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've been lucky. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But more so I run into people who are appreciative that I'm so candid about it and that you can see like I'm a halfway normal person yeah. and that you can function with it and yeah. you can you can have a family with it you can you can be a parent with it you can be a business owner yeah. with it you can be successful with it yeah yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> so often it's you know why I look at it as you have health, right? And then you mm-hmm. have these two branches coming off of you have physical health and you have mental health. And then some people have a physical disability or a physical illness. And then some people have a mental illness that they deal with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, would somebody get, if they revealed they had cancer or if they had diabetes on a Facebook post, they, people be like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm so sad for you. And no one would probably say, Oh, you just, you know, wrote your, uh, wrote your, funeral on that one, you know, by telling that. And that's where I think people just don't understand mental health. is just one component of health, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what the fight is of trying to get people to just accept that, you know? Yeah. And what really sucks too is, you know, I lost a lot of friends. I mean, a a lot of people that I really cared about, even, even family members who just wrote me off as crazy or whatever. And Mm -hmm. that was the end of it. They didn't even want to take the time to understand what was happening and that I had gotten down to the bottom of it and was getting help for it where it does feel like unfair. Like, wow, if I were diagnosed with, like you said, cancer or, you know, uh, 
Alzheimer's or whatever, nobody would have been like, oh, well, I'm not going to be friends with her anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, and it is. It's very much a yep. medical condition. Yep, so. exactly. And that's how you, and you're breaking it down to that with just science, and that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all, you know, in our mental health field, we always say like, you know, nobody shames somebody with cancer. You know, yeah. you never see that. But it's, there's still this, or TV or movies or sitcoms that have these um derogatory ways of looking at somebody with mental health you never those shows would end if they made fun of cancer mm-hmm. you know or diabetes oh, yeah. so it's like yeah so it's it's trying to build that platform to where it's kind of looked at in an equal position right. and i think you're a great example of somebody that's coping on a daily basis right and you're are successful so that's what we have to keep getting through to people's heads is no matter if it's a mental health issue or a physical health issue, people can lead very successful lives. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like, you know, the people you've met that are sharing similar circumstances, they're good people. They are. You know, they're, they're smart people. I mean, I have friends that are doctors and that, and, you know, lawyers and just amazing people who, who also have this, but just like any other illness out there, you know, cancer, diabetes, whatever, it's, it's our responsibility to take care of it. It's just like it's a diabetic's responsibility to buy insulin and needles. It's our responsibility to go to counseling to make sure that, you know, if we need medication that we're getting the right ones and taking them properly. Mm-hmm. And that that's, even I've struggled with that. Even mm-hmm. if, you know, I'm one of those, I hate taking meds. I hate it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are days it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I feel doped up. I don't feel like myself. And, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, whatever, whatever process or whatever regimen you're doing it's your responsibility to take care of it it's nobody's responsibility to deal with you going off the deep end because you're not taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. um and that's something that you know i have to tell myself every day especially because i do have days that are i have awful days Mm -hmm. where i don't want to go into work i don't want to get out of bed and and i have to kind of tell myself that you know it's my responsibility just like it's anybody else with any other conditions to, Mm -hmm. to take care of it no, that's great advice. Great yeah. advice. Um, and, and I think for people too, to hear, you know, caretakers or people that, um, support systems for people that are dealing with that, I think is a struggle sometimes too, because they're always like, oh, how can I help that person? And, and like you said, it is the person's individual responsibility. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's so, uh, the supports or family supports, loved ones. And, you know, they take that on themselves. Like, how, could, how do I get through to that person that it's important for them to take their medication or it's important for them to be aware that, um, you know, they need to make sure they go to counseling. So, you know, for those people that are listening out there, it's important to know that it is individual responsibility and you can't all, you can't make a person do what you want. And you, know? you can't use it as an excuse, which, um, we all do from time to time, and I'm, I'm sure even I've done it, you know, where it's like, well, you know, cut me some slack, I have this, but, yeah. <laughs> but I do have to, you know, I do have to tell myself that, you know, well, yeah, to a degree, maybe cut me a little slack, but at the end of the day, did I do what I was supposed to do today? Did mm-hmm. I take my meds? Did I do my diary card, which is part of DBT? Did I, you know, go to counseling? And if I didn't, for whatever reason, it's nobody else's problem, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So no, That's awesome. That's great advice. Do, um, do you think overall, going back to the, the concept of stigma, I mean, do you think the general population, right? What, are, what do you think are some things that people can do to help break down stigma? You know, other than not making jokes about mental health issues and things right. of that nature. But do you think there's other aspects um, from, you know, 
the way you look at things that our general public can do to say, let's break it down? Um, I would say maybe seek out uh, relatability. Chances are, you know, people who are who are extremely close-minded or private or judgmental, or, you know, whatever about mental illness, probably know somebody that has one. And maybe they don't know they know them. Maybe it could be their it could be their sibling. It could be their mom. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, their best friend. There's there's probably somebody closer to them than they think that has that has a mental illness mm-hmm. of some sort. Um, and if you know. If you do know who that person is, try to seek out a little bit of relatability. Have a conversation with them. You, you probably have more in common than you think. Um, just, uh, I guess, just try to try to find somebody that you know um, that has something who's willing mm-hmm. to speak about it, and just have a conversation with about a conversation with them about it. And you're probably going to find out wow, I've thought the same things. I've done the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, or I've known somebody, I, I, I know somebody who I really care about who, who has done those things. And if you just try to find a little bit of common ground, I think it softens it a little bit because not everybody out there, you know, with a mental illness is, you know, screaming at themselves at a bus stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, there are people that do. And they're, it's sad because they're probably people that don't have access to adequate help. Mm-hmm. But, um... You know, for the rest of us, I, I don't know. Um, just try to just try to keep an open mind about. It. Just listen to somebody, and I mm-hmm. bet you, at the end of the conversation, you're gonna be like, "Wow, okay, yeah, that's not what I thought it was." Yeah, so get educated on it. Right. Yeah, yeah, open enough to hear hear that side because you know, research shows us one in four depends depends who you listen to, right? But one in four or one in five people are dealing with a diagnosable mental health condition, mm-hmm. and then. For me, the way I look at it, the other ones are all at some level up and down. Either it's an emotional health issue going on from grieving mm-hmm. to stress. We're all dealing with something. So some people have that diagnosable um, one, but the reality is every single one of us is dealing with some type of up or down in our lives. It's life. very much a spectrum. I mean, I've mm-hmm. never met anybody who's completely out of their mind. They think they're on Mars. Or, mm-hmm. or, and I've never met anybody who's so completely level that you know you're practically a robot exactly where it's it's a sliding scale and we're all on it somewhere Mm -hmm. and we've all had traumas and we've all had stressors and um i I guess another thing i would add is even if you don't fully believe it yourself try to validate somebody even if they tell you you know you find your person that has some sort of diagnosis or whatever and, and you're talking to them even if you don't fully understand it just saying something like that must be really hard Mm-hmm. Anything, any kind of qualifying, validating statement is so huge to somebody with this, you know, especially when you spent your whole life being told, well, you're just too sensitive. You're so angry about everything. You're so negative. Get over it. Uh-huh. It's just uh-huh. try your best to cough out one validating statement and you'll probably be amazed how far it goes. And over time, it becomes easier and you believe it yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Great. So yeah, validation, being open to other perspective, listening, all great tips, Mm -hmm. all great tips. So we are here um, finishing up this podcast with Kate Bethel, who owns Maven and Maplewood and kind of talking about 
uh, lots of different aspects of, um, of your world from being an entrepreneur to just dealing with life stressors and talking about mental health. So uh, you've been very enlightening on a lot of levels. So um, I'm really glad you came on today, talked a little bit about you. Um, and then if, uh, what's the address of Maven? Well, for right now, right? Right now, uh, it's 7298 Manchester Road. Um, the beginning of May, the first week of May is our targeted reopen date, and that's going to be 7328 Manchester Road. So All right. just one block west. Yep. So Same be side of the street. Easy to find. Yes. Easy to find. So great line of products. Um, check it out. Uh, once again, this has been Mental Health Matters, Tom Duff, St. Louis Counseling. As um, always, look us up uh, if you are looking for uh, some counseling or just curious about the process of counseling. Check us out at Saint, spelled out, stlouiscounseling.org. Also, remember us on uh, Giving Tuesday. And if you're uh, wanting to uh, be a participant in Giving Tuesday, no, I'm sorry, not Giving Tuesday, it's Give STL Day. Giving Tuesday's in the fall, winter, Thanksgiving, but Give STL Day. Um, or if you're curious about being a sponsor for the podcast, reach out to Debbie Dugan, and that is D Dugan, D D U G A N at ccstl.org. And we will see you next time on Mental Health Matters. Thank you. This has been Mental Health Matters with Tom Duff of St. Louis Counseling Services. Check out stlouiscounseling.org for more information.